Welcome to the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, joined today by Brandon Piller. Three wins for the organization over the weekend, a pair for Belfield and for Ottawa, a 4-3 overtime victory. The Columbus Blue Jackets on the losing end of Anthony Duclair's hat-trick. He continued his ridiculous goal-scoring pace. We'll get into what's making him so successful. Speaking of success, Joey Decord put up a first-star performance on Saturday against the Marlies, and we at a front row seat. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is December 15th, and Pilsy in front of the man who just last year said he didn't know how to play hockey, Anthony Duclair gets the game winner for the hat trick. The Duke was in town last night, Ross, and like you mentioned, he kind of got the last laugh with Torts after uh, we all remember a year ago, right before Duclair was traded to the Sens, Torts had some pretty questionable uh, uh, comments for Duclair before he got traded to Ottawa. And like you said, he gets the Hattie, not one, not two, but three goals. Is that good, Ross? That's very good. Let's break them all down, starting the first one, because these look like a guy who knows how to play hockey. Um, what'd you see on that? I mean, the first one, you, you might argue Medlevskins might want to have that one back. Yeah, that was a tough one for uh, Elvis there. And I mean, he still hasn't he had ended up a, leaving the building. Left the building. Jeez, rough night for him. Yeah, I think he got pulled after the first period, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely a tough night for Elvis, still without an NHL win in his entire career. But Declare, he, although that wasn't his best goal of the night, of the three, that's for sure, he had good awareness on this one to track that puck down. It was kind of bobbling uh, at the blue line, and he was able to knock it down. He glides across the ice, and he's done this a couple times, and I think he does a really good job of it, using the defenseman as a screen. And then letting that quick wrist shot go. I think Merzlikens, uh, he didn't really have a chance to read that shot because the release was just so quick. And he kind of shot it at a time that's different than how he usually winds up. So I think it just fooled him, the release of it. And that goal was just two minutes and 16 seconds into the game. Great way to get a start in an afternoon game in front of a home crowd. Yeah, and Anders Nielsen almost made the building erupt it looked like he kept it out and then upon review uh the blue jackets ended up tying it soon after but the arty party had extra sauce on the platter in the second goal how about that feed from artem anisimov over to duclair for his second of the game what a gorgeous pass and i the weird thing is that's anisimov's first assist of the season so nice for him to get it on a sauce pass like that, right to declare on the two-on-one. You see a lot of the times the Sens, I don't know about you, Ross, but I find they have a tough time with the two-on-ones. Either they hold on to it too long and don't get a good angle shot, or they try to force the pass too early. This was perfectly executed by Nisimov to declare. And then declare his fist pump Selly after scoring that. You could tell he was fired up, especially when you know you got two goals. You're itching for that third goal so badly, and I think he could smell it. I probably didn't want to wait all the way till OT for that third goal, but I think he was uh, super stoked to get that second and one goal away from his third career hat-trick. Yeah, unbelievable, because the last hat-trick he got, Sens fans might remember it, it was against Mike Condon. 
um, during that unreal stretch right after the Duchesne trade where I think they lost 18 of 20 games. It was uh, not that a good was time. An embarrassing game, though. I just remember, like, Duclair, I don't even think any of his goals were that incredible. It was more just the Sens just totally collapsed and Condon, tough night for the Condon uh, on that one. Yeah, you see he was back on the ice, by the way. He's, he was playing uh, for Syracuse last night. Wow. Not, sure, not sure how he did, but it's his first action since we saw him give up six to the Marlies in Belleville and get the win. Yeah, that, uh, that was a crazy game against the Marlies. Uh, speaking of the Marlies, we'll get into uh, that game later on in the episode, too. But uh, another guy, Declare, he was the only guy who scored for the Sens. Connor Brown, your boy. He got one on a breakaway. He's had a lot of chances lately too, uh, Ross, and a lot of breakaways too. I think he had two breakaways in this game, and he tried to go five-hole in both of them, one on Merzlikens and then one on Corpusalo later. Corpusalo got the better of him on the second one, but what have you seen from Connor Brown, and do you think uh, he's finally going to start uh, racking up some points like he did to start the season off? Yeah, it's certainly looking that way and finding the goal sheet too, even at the start of the year with so many assists, really not being able to bury his chances the chances he was getting a lot of and still is 17 shots over his last five games. And now the points are rolling in three goals, two assists. Um, But what you're going to get out of him on a nightly basis is high hockey IQ, smart decisions and reliable two-way play. He's averaging over 20 minutes a game, more than any other senators forward. And it's really rare for a team leader for forwards to be a winger. So just kind of shows his versatility and how he can play up and down um, anywhere you want it on the power play. He'll be out there on the PK. Him and Pajot are the first guys over the board. And I really like, a lot of people didn't like um, when Duclair and, and uh, Brady were broken up there uh, for an instant, but uh, it's it's really worked, right? It's getting everybody firing. Although, of course, Duclair did some of his damage on the power play on Saturday. But uh, yeah, Connor Brown can move anywhere you want it and love seeing him up there with, uh, with Pajot and Brady. I think that makes a great top unit. Yeah, and like you said, uh, it's it was kind of a head-scratcher when you saw DJ Smith put the lines in the blender and he split up uh, Kachuk and Declare because they had been playing so well together. But it's almost spread the offense out a little bit, and clearly Declare hasn't mind. He's got 10 points in his last eight games. Eight of those points are goals. He's well on his way to breaking his career high of 44 points that he had back in 2015. And how about that game winner on the power play nonetheless? Yeah, it was just unreal shot, right? Shabbat puts it right where it needs to be. Unlike Pajot, I think Pajot would want to have his pass back where he gets it onto the backhand of, of Shabbat, but Shabbat makes a nice play to, you know, flip it onto his forehand, drag Corpusalo enough looking the one way. He has to respect being a four-on-three. They're kind of collapsing down towards the goal line, and Duclair, that shot was off his stick and in the net in the blink of an eye, maybe even quicker. It was... Uh, it was a pretty impressive shot there, and it capped off. You can see with the emotion and uh, what that what that win means here with the dads all in town getting ready to go on the dads trip. You know they want to go in with a winning winning uh, plane ride south, and they sure did. Definitely. That's always good to uh, start the dad trip off with a nice W. And Declare on the power play, you've seen it a couple times where he kind of sets up on that far side, and you know Shabbat is going to try to – uh, sort of act like a decoy on that power play. You don't know whether he's going to try to uh, get a shot through traffic or dish it over to, to Declare, but I think the whole building knew that's what they were trying to do on that power play because the three of them, Pajot, Shabbat, and Declare at the top 
near the blue line of that power play were just sort of biding their time, shifting the penalty killers. And then finally, Shabbat, as you said, slid them over just enough and then got that pass to declare who, just like his first goal where he uh, used a screen on the wrist shot, he's developed a really good one-timer on the power play. And that slap shot is lethal. I mean, we saw him get the game winner uh, I forget which game it was, but it was a similar play on the power play where the goalie had absolutely no chance to stop it for the game winner with that slap shot. So you love seeing Declare uh, continue his success. And Pierre Dorian, get this guy a contract. Are you kidding me? It's about time. He's a re- I know he's a restricted free agent, but I would love to see them lock him up uh, for a decent amount of time. How about you? Yeah, I think anywhere in the five five to six year range but they might not even have to go that far he's, he's going to be 25 at the end of the season so yeah as long as it's four or more years i think that uh, Suns fans should be happy with that you don't have to go the max term with this guy um you kind of want to keep keep the fire lit too right so um yeah i i think that uh that all in all it'll be it'll be good down the road to to make sure that that gets done i don't think this is going to be a situation where he's on the move again I think he's found a home in Ottawa, and uh, I'd be shocked if he's not here long term. Definitely, and I don't think uh, the Sens are going to move him either. I mean, we've debated uh, in past episodes what's going to happen with Pajot arguably having a career season as well, but Declare is a guy who has bounced around so much, and finally it seems like he's comfortable in Ottawa. He seems like he really meshes with this group of uh, young players that are going to be here for a long time, especially Brady Kachuk like we talked about earlier. So I would even I would love to see, like you said, lock him up for five years. Anywhere between three uh, three to five years, I think, would be great, especially show this guy uh, that his hard work has paid off and that this is a home for him and that he can stay here and thrive here for a couple of years. And I don't know what they're going to have to pay him, especially if near the end of the season. I mean, he's already got 18 goals already. He's definitely projected to break 30, even get high 30s in goals. So you're going to have to pay him north of $4 million. What's uh, what's your thoughts on uh, a dollar amount that you can attach to Declare, who's making, I believe, 1.6 right now, and last season was making the league minimum? Yeah, he's obviously due for a raise. That goes without saying. He's but double up two seasons in a row, at least. Yeah, and finally starting to show some consistency since coming to Ottawa. So, um, yeah, I think it's, he's due to get paid. It's not like the Sens are up against the cap. That shouldn't be a problem to get done. Uh, and if it is, then there's bigger problems. So... Um, I just think it's a matter of getting the comparables. We, that, I think we leave for Parley. And, uh, and uh, yeah, whatever it comes in at, I think that he'll, he'll be the kind of player that's a speed game, the NHL, and he's got a ton of it. So I've, I don't think it's, uh, it's going to be a problem at all. And how about Thomas Shabbat getting the, uh, the assist on that goal? It's his 101st NHL point. Cool stat came across on Twitter. Um, the other day so the fewest games to 100 points for all senators defensemen thomas shabbat 166 games that's two less than eric carlson um what's been your impression of of shabbat's game to date this year well i mean shabbat he's pretty much had to carry the load from uh the decor especially and this is an injury that uh, around the league, people may not think it's a very big deal. But for Sens fans, we understand the full impact of it. A guy like Dylan DeMello going out for three to four weeks with, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a broken finger, right? Yeah. So he's going to be out 
for over a month now. And then the problems continue with Brandstrom being sent down. He hasn't really showed enough to stay in the NHL. And then you've got a guy like uh, Lajoie, who is supposed to come up and be your bottom pair defenseman. He barely even played over four minutes. I don't think he played over four minutes. And he was a big reason for one of those goals on one of his shifts. So when you've got a defenseman that is only playing a couple minutes, that's going to shift everything up and more responsibility to those top guys, especially Thomas Shabbat, who I feel like uh, under the pressure that he's had, and we mentioned, uh, I forget the exact stat, but he's one of the leaders in even strength ice time in the entire league in the NHL. He's done a really good job of shouldering all that ice time and all that responsibility, and he looks like a great leader moving forward for this franchise. Yeah, Shabbat leads all players in the NHL in even strength ice time, fourth in overall ice time, played 26 30. I'm uh, sorry, 26 23, if I could speak properly, uh, in the game against Columbus, whereas Lachois only played 352, including 34 seconds in the second period. Now, they've called up Andreas Anglin as a seventh defenseman. The, DJ Smith said today after practice that he thought he looked good in practice. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays instead of Lajoie, would you? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And especially coming into a back-to-back scenario on Monday, Tuesday in Florida, uh, going up against the Panthers first and the Lightning uh, right after that. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see England. And England is a guy who he may not really uh, pop out on the stat sheet, even in the minor leagues levels. He's played in Belleville uh, for quite some time. He's more of a kind of steady defenseman who you can rely on to just kind of play a hard game, make some smart plays, and he's not really going to do anything too flashy, which for a bottom pair defenseman who who knows how many games we're going to see England up there even, uh, that's all you really want. And Lajoie could definitely use some time up in the press box after that game because he was on the ice for 21 seconds, uh, a 21-second shift, and they scored on that shift. And it was because Golubev was behind the net, and then Lajoie went to go apply pressure behind the net now you got Golbeff and Lajoie behind the net, and Nick Paul has to cover the guy in front, uh, Texier, and he doesn't cover him, and that ends up going in the net. I don't think Lajoie played another shift after that. So DJ Smith, obviously not impressed there. Time to get England sometime and uh, see what he's got. Um, Max Lajoie has not been assigned to Belleville, but Jonathan Davidson has. He didn't play much uh, in the game against Columbus as well, so he'll be going back to Belleville. I'd say that's a good sign that Scott Sabarang could be healthy enough to go uh, for the first time since that scary incident in Boston. So that'd be awesome to see Sabrin get back in the lineup tomorrow. But I want to get into Belleville now and stick taps as well. Frankie Corrado, we were talking earlier a couple weeks ago how the Belleville decor was just depleted with injuries. Well, uh, they signed Frankie Corrado to a PTO and he earned a contract for the rest of the season. So Frankie Corrado is officially a member of the uh, Belleville Senators for the rest of the year. And uh, they kept it rolling. Two games this weekend, Pilsy. I was at them both. We worked the game together on Friday. And, well, two wins. And, Ross, not just a good uh, weekend for the Belleville Senators. You cashed in on a couple good bets uh, supporting Bell Vegas as well. So you always love to see that. And, yeah, like you said, Bell Vegas, the wagon, rolls on. It's just incredible what this team is doing. I mean, they've won eight of their last 10 games. Uh, they beat Rockford, the Rockford Ice Dogs. I think it was the first time, Ice Hogs, I should say. What a weird name. That's just garbage. But uh, 
They were tied 2-2, and then Belleville scored three unanswered goals, including Formanton getting the empty netter there to seal that one. That was a game that it kind of looked, it was a little sad that uh, Belleville let them back in that game, but then they had a real good third period, eh? Yeah, they had a really good third period. I thought Philip Gustafson looked kind of uh, shaky-ish, so it was awesome that they were able to uh, to give him the goal support, and then he did make a couple decent saves down the stretch. Just still something about his rebound control and, and just a little bit of a lack of poise that I'd like to see cleaned up in Gustafson's game. He's got an 881 save percentage across the 11 starts, but he does have uh, three out of his last five games have been good, so... Um, hopefully that that kind of gives him the confidence to to get out on top of the crease and challenge shooters, and uh, maybe that'll help his rebound control as well. But how about this? This stat blew my mind. So Brandstrom had he has four points in four games, including a goal against the Marlies. That goal is his first yeah. one as a senator this year or last. He had a few assists, but that's his first goal, and it was a beauty. Just. Uh, corralling the puck, he, I think he stick handled about eight times, then just ripped one past Joseph Wall. Um, so that turned out to be the game winner in that four-one win. Uh, yeah, and Ross, I mean, uh, depending where you're sitting uh, at the Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto, you were at that game scouting for the Locked On Senators podcast. Uh, you probably got a real good view of how well he was just handling the puck. I mean, you talked about it there. The reason I think they wanted to send Branstrom down is. Because he's known as an offensive defenseman. When he played a couple games last year in Belleville, every single time he touched the puck, it seemed like he could do no wrong and there was nobody that could get it from him. And he shows here that he has the poise to hold that puck and wait for the proper play and then fire it home like he did up against the Marlies. So if he can continue to do that down in Belleville, uh, I think he's really going to boost his confidence and get back to... uh, being that defenseman that we hope he can be, especially since he was the main piece back in that Mark Stone trade, which you hate to see a guy like Stone go. So Branstrom, there's kind of a lot on his shoulders to make that trade worth it. So slowly but surely, he seems to be getting his offensive power back and uh, four points, four games, not too shabby. And I love that they called up Anglin and didn't just force him back into the NHL uh, because of the injury to DeMello. So let him take some time, a couple weeks at the very least, and uh, and see what you can what, what you can get at him. It's better than him playing 13 minutes, uh, which is what he was getting up in Ottawa. Joey Decord, too, with the start. I moved seats to be behind the net for the second period. Um, got to see an, an onslaught of chances. Uh, the Marlies took it to the, uh, the B-Sens here on the shot clock, but uh, Joey was awesome. He made a few great, saves one in particular at the end of the first period where he sprawled across the crease another one at the end of the third uh same sort of deal big glove save um this guy's got swagger poise great at playing the puck and like we we've tiered these goalies before and i got joey ahead of philip gustafson he he just looks poised i don't know how how you're gonna send him down you can tell his dad's a goalie coach just so technically sound He's just a treat to watch. And uh, 2 0 record, one goals against average, just let in the two goals on over 60 shots. So, what a start to uh, the AHL career of Joey Decord. Hey, and don't forget, he got on the stat sheet. I'm pretty sure he got an assist on uh, one of those goals he against did. the Marlins. Uh, so, that's just uh, paying homage to his great stick handling. And if 
If you're looking for a good time on YouTube, Joey actually edits his own stick handling videos. Uh, he makes kind of hype videos for himself, or at least he did. I'm sure he's probably uh, got some of the media team helping him out now. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard work that pays off. And like you said, son of a goalie coach, and that really helps his poise and positioning. And it's incredible that a guy who's making his second AHL start uh, can get a win against a division rival, one of the top teams in the division in the Toronto Marlies, when they get outshot 35 to 18 and only lets in one goal. Just an incredible uh, performance by Joey. And we talked about it earlier on other episodes. With this Anderson injury, you hate to see a guy like Andy out, especially with how much he means to the team, and I'm assuming the locker room. But it's really given a good showcase for how the goalie uh, tandems are going to line up for next season, or at least should line up with Nielsen, Hogberg, and then Gus and uh, Dak battling it out in the AHL. And I know you're big on Dak, but what happens when Andy comes back? That's a good question. They're going to have to make a decision because all three of like Hogberg's, of course, going to be in Belleville. But there's a decision to be made between Gustafson and Decord. They've both seen time in Brampton. But whatever. I mean, it's next year. This is just kind of a marinating year, I think, for the goalies. They're going to have to be patient um, and see what what shoe drops with Craig Anderson. But the Marlies' power play was was on, it seemed like, half the game. They had nine power plays in the game, uh, including a five-on-three, which is where they scored their only goal. So even strength, Joey was perfect. And... uh, yeah, a couple other standouts for me too. Like Joseph Labates looked great, and and same with Bodang. Bodang scored a shorty on Friday, and he just looks like he has a ton of confidence. Drake, of course, got on the score sheet. Ho hum, and Rudolph Balser's points in twelve straight games. Um, you think we're gonna see him called up to to the Sens before Christmas? Where, what's your timeline at with Rudy Balser's? Well, I mean, my timeline was pretty much uh, when he recovered. Get him a conditioning stint in Belleville, get him a couple games, and then bring him back up to the NHL. He played, I think it was over 30 games uh, in Ottawa last season, uh, near the end of this season, and he put up, I think, 12 points. So he showed he could last up there in the NHL, and it didn't really seem like Belleville needed him. They have so much uh, firepower in their top six or even top nine. So it seemed like he was a guy that could go up there and spend the rest of the season up there. But I think someone like Nick Paul has kind of taken one of those spots uh, and now he's got a place in Ottawa. He's going to stay up there. I actually think Nick Paul uh, took a, a shot to the leg or something in practice today, but it looked like he was back out there, thankfully. So he should be good to go come tomorrow, hopefully. And I don't know, but I think with Rudolph Balsers, they're going to apply the same uh, level of thinking that they have for guys like Batherson as well. They're going to wait till they're absolutely sure he can secure a roster spot, and they're going to keep him up there for the rest of the season. So to answer your question, I don't think we're going to see Rudolph Balsers in a Sens jersey until at least 2020. Well, the next time you're going to see him then is Wednesday, December 18th, another divisional matchup for the Belleville Senators. They're hosting Utica, like we keep saying, come down to the rink. Uh, shoot us a message on Twitter at Send Central. And speaking of our Twitter, let's take a look at the results from that poll that we brought up last episode where it was kind of a neat stat that Brady Kachuk here, 32 games into the season, had the same number of hits as he did shots on goal, um, which is wild in itself. 122 yep. is, the, is the number. And after you had your say of which category he will finish the season with more of. 
55% said shots on goal. Is that where you were? That's where I was. And uh, I don't know, not to toot my own horn, but shots on goal, that was the poll winner. And our guy, Rear Admiral from Spit and Chicklets, he agreed saying shots on goal is probably what he's going to finish higher up in. So looks like uh, the listeners can keep listening along for some good advice. And uh, we'll keep getting some polls going. The polls have uh, done really great lately. So uh, we're always interested to hear what the fans think. And uh, that was a close one. It certainly was. It was a close game on Saturday with the Senators. They're down in Florida for the dad's trip. A little extra special when you can get the win. Some vitamin D down south and (laughs) come away with a few points. So we'll be back to break it all down after a back-to-back. So it's Florida tomorrow, Tampa Bay on Tuesday. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's nice that they get to go with the dads down to Florida, back-to-back against Florida and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, man, they got their work cut out for them. They can't spend too much on the time uh, time on the beach drinking with their dads because they're going to have to be ready to play up against two really good teams. I mean, the Florida Panthers have been kind of slumping lately. They've lost three of their uh, last games. But those were losses against Tampa Bay, New York Islanders and the Boston Bruins, and they were pretty close games. So it's not like they're, uh, the three-game losing streak is an egregious one that you really uh, are going to go into their barns thinking you're going to get an easy win, especially in Florida when you guys got guys like Huberto and Barkov lighting it up at a point-per-game pace, and they're in the top 12 of uh, points in the entire league. Well, it's not always good to go with these free agents. You're going to see that tomorrow for the Ottawa Senators playing against Sergei Bobrovsky, who's off to a tough start for his seven-year, $70 million contract. So Senators back in action tomorrow and Tuesday. The Belleville Senators off until Wednesday, so we'll have another show between now and then. Thanks for listening. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. That's Brandon Piller. It's your team every day.